Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome to Shungite. No, no, wrong show. Cosmic Reality Radio. It's August 15th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard is back. Sort of. <laughs> um, I'll say hi to Walt. How are you doing, Walt? Hello, Nancy. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Dolly. <laughs> Hello, Dolly. You can unmute. <laughs> okay. I wanted to wait until you wanted me to. Howdy, y'all. Hi, Walt. Hi. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so before we start the show, I want to tell some people some things. Well, a thing. I think that Windows did an update and changed the size of the font on my screen. And I didn't realize it. All of a sudden, I'm going like, my eyes are going bad, and I'm having trouble with it, and the mouse, I have a Logtech mouse, it was like taking me forever to get anywhere on the screen, and then, and then I'd done this for, I don't know, weeks and weeks, maybe a month, I don't know, it, it just was, I started, I, I, I do with whatever, I do with whatever. So all of a sudden, I, I said, this doesn't seem right. And then I went and I found out how to change the size of the font so that the screen is bigger on your screen. You, you know, it's bigger. <laughs> Every image is everything bigger. And when I went there, the one I've got now, and the only option I had, I mean, it was like the one they had was the little one. The one they, that I wanted was in between the little one and the one I've got now. I swear to God, they took out the the screen look that I prefer. So I just wanted to warn some people out there. If you think you're going blind on the computer, it might not be you. It might be the fact that they've down, you know, done this thing automatically, probably just got rid of it and defaulted to the, you know, the broad, the broad scope, uh, the big screen and a lot of stuff in that big screen. So I just wanted to tell people, you know, don't do what I did and just settle, <laughs> you know, Look it's at very it. Very common, very common, very common, very common on phones. Oh, they do it on the phones too. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Oh. Well, maybe you're, that's you're right. accustomed, you're accustomed to a size and everything, and then all of a sudden they decide to do some kind of upgrade, and you're back to the old original phone, and and people get annoyed. Why do they do that? Well. Welcome to the welcome to the world where technology doesn't care about people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to to mention that because it was like I'm, I'm still not used to this big big you know having bigger fonts. But my God, now I can navigate instead of squinting and getting on top. Oh, jeez, it was like, don't settle. <laughs> Look at it again. Well, did so you ever do it on the on the Firefox browser? 
where you can actually change uh, the the visual attributes and and make your stuff bigger so you can it's easier to see like zoom in and zoom out and uh and well you can do you can do that with windows you can change the yeah. internet all you need to do is hit the control button and then hit plus or minus and the yeah. screen will get bigger or smaller um that's not the problem the problem is that well, it is the problem, but the pro main problem was the tabs up on the top. You know, I sometimes have, well, I, a lot of times I have 30 of the tabs open, and they were <laughs> so compressed, I didn't know what the hell was what. And so it wasn't just the, the window itself that you can change. I couldn't change the, that thing. And no, I don't, I, I didn't do anything with Firefox. I just, like I say, I settle. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, and then finally something tweaks me and I go, what the hell is wrong? <laughs> so just a precautionary note. So, Dolly, why don't you uh, share with the audience uh, your adventures? <laughs> okay. 13 days ago. Well, I guess it was 12 because we came home a day early. Um, we went to Orlando. Annette and Sherry. Sherry's my youngest, and she lives in Orlando. But we, for the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they had a keto conference that they attended in the Hilton. So uh, we we spent the night at the Hilton during the conference. And, uh, the, of course, that Hilton in Orlando has water features like swimming pools and uh, and the river the lazy river so while the girls went to their uh, meetings during those three days I rested in the hotel watched TV and just messed around and uh, then Shannon and Logan Logan's my grandson Shannon Sherry's husband would come over and we would go and enjoy the water features. Uh, we went around the Lazy River a couple times, but there's so many people. It was, it was people all over the place hitting on you with their raft. And so we decided, and the kids screaming. So we decided to go over to the adult pool. Oh, was that nice. There were just a few adults in there, and everyone was talking quietly, and we basically had the pool to ourselves at nighttime, so we had a fun time doing that. And then one of the nights, afternoons, Shannon, Sherry, and Logan and I were in the bar at the hotel, and uh, the bartender was having a lot of fun with us. And I was asking him, oh, he said, they don't serve mixed drinks. I said, well, do you serve the mixed drink with that's a virgin? He looked at me and laughed. He says, no, but I can. What do you want? And I said, well, I don't, I haven't drank anything in years. So I like strawberry daiquiris. And Sherry said she likes pina coladas and and 
she named a few other drinks, so the guy got all excited. He said, how about a Miami Vice? I said, what is it? He said, a strawberry daiquiri and uh, the other one I like, pina colada mixed together, half and half. I said, oh, I love that. And so he said, well, I need to run over to the other bar, the one by the pool, and get the stuff for it. I said, well, you don't have to do that. He said, I want to. So uh, he did that. And I had asked, I said to him, well, but if it's as bad as their pina colada uh, over at the bar, I don't want it. He said, what's wrong with it? I said, it, it was green. And he said, no, pina coladas aren't green, Sherry. Sure. He said, it was green and it tastes like shit. <laughs> so he said, well, <coughs> I will make sure that it isn't that way. So he brought it over. It was so good. But it was virgin. It was so good. I Oh, my gosh. So after that, we went out to eat. But I didn't get back to the bar to have fun with the bartender. Um, oh, and he knows. He's related to a guy who owns an Italian place there. So he got Sherry and Shannon hooked up. They can go over there and get some benefits. Uh, money off and, and stuff like that is they just tell the owner um, Kevin Kate what was it Kevin's nickname is KY oh my gosh did we have fun with that because you know there's a gel out there with that name and so we had fun with him um, then uh, we went to Sherry and Jana's house for the next, the rest of the time. And Sherry and Jana were home for the next two days. So we went out to Disney Springs, which is like a big open air mall, has all sorts of stores and restaurants. And we had some fun there. And we went to, oh, well, we went to a couple restaurants while Sherry and Shannon were home. And then we were at Sherry's because we we're going to, we watched Leo, their beagle dog. And, uh, <laughs> hold on a minute. Sorry about that. And so uh, they were going to Hawaii. Sherry's oldest son uh, was had it all planned to get married there to his, uh, what do you call it, boyfriend. And um, spouse? Well, He's not spouse yet. The, 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 the term is partner. 
Yeah, his partner. Thank you, his partner. So they were on the plane. We realized there was a fire in Maui, but it wasn't all that big yet. And then when they got on their plane, they were told they uh, couldn't go to Maui because there was a big fire and they weren't allowing people on the island. And so they, Sherry and Shannon, that's when they had their layover at Dallas, I believe. And then they decided they would go ahead. Well, they had to fly to L.A. for some, San Francisco for, for a connection. That's when they heard they can't go to Maui. So they decided to, seeing as they had the time off for they were going to go ahead and go to Hawaii. And they changed plans and went to Honolulu. And uh, they had a wonderful time, I guess, considering all things. Um, the boys did not get married there. They took wedding pictures. And then they're going to get married in Orlando if they ever get home. They got stranded there in Honolulu. Their plane had issues with the plane itself. And when it had landed at Honolulu, they had ambulances go out to the airplane. So besides mechanical issues, uh, they had people issues. <laughs> and uh, so Shannon said they hadn't, they hadn't, gotten them connected on another airplane yet, so they were still in Honolulu today. Um, and uh, Leo is really a good dog. He, he barks, but he doesn't bark like Doc at anything that moves at the air because it blows. <laughs> Leo's a good baby. But the day after they left to go to Hawaii, I got sick. Bad cold, flu-type symptoms. Who did you kiss to give you that cold? No one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we agreed it had to be because I don't get out of the house. And I was out to all the different places in public and somebody out there decided to just blow on me and share their germs. So I was in bed since the day after Sherry and Shannon left until today. But uh, I'm feeling better today, and I can talk today because I lost my voice, too. Well, ask the resonator that I sent you. To ask, tell them to help you or her. I didn't. I, I can now because I'm home, but I was, we just got home today oh. in the afternoon. So now I can ask it to, and, and Mr. Turtle and, and all that. So I'll be doing that tonight. Um, but there was, oh, we were talking, Shannon and Sherry and Nat and I, about, Maui and the fires. And uh, it happened that I was the only one who saw this. But 
I did see on the TV, somebody was saying, we were, everybody is wondering why and how the fire started in Maui. And it got so bad, people were jumping, literally jumping into the water off the island because they were being caught in the fires. And um, I forgot the latest count on how many died from it. A hundred and something, I think Shannon said. But I happened to see on TV this show where it had a video of a laser beam. It looked like a laser beam. It was red coming from the sky. Mm. And it hit the earth and caused a big explosion, huge explosion. And that's when the fire started. It was not lightning coming from the sky. It was like a laser beam. And uh, nobody saw that TV thing but me. I was wondering if you guys saw it. I see. I think the pictures are, are suspicious of themselves because when you look at the pictures, there is no vegetation to catch fire and, and, speed, um, and spread all that fire. So what? what's, you know, something else caused the fire because the, there is no, you see the lava field outside of town, then the town, then the, the, the ocean. Okay, where's the vegetation that supposedly created this wildfire? So it's very oh, suspicious. That that brings me to another, because you said that. Then I saw on Twitter, there was a guy who, uh, he said he lives in Maui. Wait, oh, I didn't type it out. I just got the, uh, uh, the link to it. It's like a twenty-some second link. I'll put it in the in the chat room. But the man is saying he lives on Maui, and uh, what they were reporting is not what's really happening there. Oh, this thing I pasted just now in the chat room that leads you to Twitter. Twitter. Um, so if you don't have an account, I don't know if you can see it. But anyway, he says it's a lot worse than what they're reporting. And more people have died than what they're saying, than they're, what they're reporting have. He says it's it, just a lot worse. So they're lying on their reporting. And I'm wondering, why are they doing this to Maui? What's on Maui that they're trying to keep people away from? And and you you feel at this time you feel too weak to talk to the Pasik, right? Oh, I can't. They won't do it. Oh. No, Dave says no way. You're too sick. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even letting the Posse near me. <laughs> no, even the popcorn guys can't come uh, so no I can't ask them so uh, well I have a question is Maui considered like uh, 
I saw um, what do you call it a, a documentary where they were uh, naming some high-end celebrities that supposedly they have their properties there on Maui. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, Unless there's so many cabal people living there. Who was being targeted? Was it the cabal targeting somebody, or was somebody targeting the cabal? Oh. Lots of uh, celebrities are have their properties there in Maui. So it's like, are know. are they being targeted? You know, like like the white are the white hats cleaning house all of a sudden? But that doesn't make sense because they don't do they don't do. To my knowledge, the the white hats try to avoid wholesale murder, and the cabal loves wholesale murder, but because it's for them, it's an offering to their gods. So I don't know. Okay, the the regarding the I talked about it on say what you probably heard it from me, because I was saying that the guy that owned Amazon Bozo his he's got property there. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, Bezos? Bezos, <laughs> Bozo, yeah, Bezos. He's got property property there. Oprah Winfrey has property there. Um, a guy by the name of Ellison, I don't know who he is, and there were a few other people, but nobody knew the condition of there was pictures of their property and to be honest like the oprah property there was a tremendous amount of open space around it i wouldn't think it, it would have burned uh and you know i don't know that for sure but it, you know okay as far as the i wish i wish somehow or another we can find that image of you know that might be out there it might be true but the fire you're right, Walt. It doesn't seem to be a tremendous amount of vegetation. The trees that you see standing are palm trees, you know, burnt, but, you know, palm trees. So the only thing that I could figure that was fueling this was the the buildings themselves. And they, it's an old, I mean, it, it's, it's historical. It was, the whole place was historical. So probably they were made from wood that's, you know, dried out wood. Um, but the thing that was really like kind of shocking was that the fire was moving a mile a minute. A mile a minute. Like a beam well, was, moving across the landscape, right? Yeah, the laser thing, when it hit the ground, the explosion just came up from the ground where it hit. And it was huge. It was just huge. And it and and the flames blew out from this huge explosion. Are they still trying to do the this false flag of the alien invasion? So they're burning up a town for in this case to say, Oh look, see the aliens are this destroyed not Maui. Oh my god, everybody run for the hills. I didn't hear anything about UFOs. Because no, I, I, I know they're, uh, what do you call it, it uh, it's, it's already, it, it appears to be happening. It, uh, they started by, it, uh, apparently, these tall greys attacked this town in uh, Peru, of all places, where the, the U.S. has a secret base. Uh, and and they, they, were, they were investigating, he's like, why, why are the, why this town was attacked? And I said to my mother, you know what? If aliens attacked this teeny tiny town, do you think there would be anything left 
Do you think there will be any evidence that there were aliens? It's it's got to be a false flag because they did it in such a way that there is this ample evidence that something was off. So that's this this attack in Maui or or whatever this thing is supposed to be that smells very suspicious. Yeah. Um, okay. Now somebody who's this? Yasmi. That area of Maui is very high winds and has burned down several times before, just to add some 3D perspective, but I'm not discounting there were other things to miss. The people count will be off as well. They did the same thing in Paradise, the one with the uh, train derailment thing, claiming they couldn't include bodies in the official count unless they could identify them. I knew people there working with the CAL FIRE saying hundreds of people were dead, burnt up in their cars, and there was a nursing home that wasn't evacuated correctly. They didn't have time to evacuate anybody. Um, okay, I listened to the, um, uh, he was like the, I don't know, a fire chief or somebody like that, head of emergency for uh, Hawaii. And he was, it was like one of the most <sighs> in your face press conferences I've ever seen. And what he said was that the the problem with the body count is that they don't know they're not finding bodies. They've got they're only they're only into a very small fraction of what they have to go through. They've got 90 recovery people on the ground and I forget how many dogs, two dozen or something dogs. So the dogs are the cadaver dogs are in there trying to find what could possibly the, be the remains of somebody. But this guy said, look it, when we do find remains, we're find, finding that there might be some bones, that's it. And the bones are so brittle that they virtually turn to dust. So you people that want to come into this town to hopefully find your loved ones, I want you to understand that the dust that you're walking in could very well be your loved ones. Is that natural that uh, that's uh, just well, a regular simple fire has reduced human remains to dust? I did a research on it, Walt. I, you know, I asked the same question because that sounded a little bit stuck. Very hot sounds, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So, to actually cremate a body to ashes, it takes 1400 to 1800 degrees Fahrenheit for one to three hours. 14 to 1800 degrees Fahrenheit, one to three hours. On average, and the only thing I could use really was a campfire. You know, I, I, there was all sorts of different things, but the campfire seemed to be, you know, in a small way, the, the best reflection of what was happening there, because I think it was wood mostly that was burning, all right, the buildings themselves. And the temperature range at a campfire's core, in the core, can be 1,500 to 1,650. Just a minute. Six. Okay. It's not me. No, I know it's not you. It's Mona. <laughs> She's going to come on the show with us in a second. But let me just cool. finish. Um, so the average campfire does get to a range that could do that kind of damage. But these, this fire was moving at 
a mile a minute. And there, and it, as you, you're attesting to. Just talk it, to her. <laughs> the, 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 the thing of it is, is that it was moving at a, at a mile a minute. And there wasn't that much flammable stuff. So if you need at least an hour to three hours to get to ashes, that doesn't seem kind of possible in the fire that I think was there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be much hotter and faster than what should be. You know? All right, I've so got to deal. It's as Not, mysterious as the Twin Towers. Yeah, now she's doing calling us or something. Let me see what she's she's not okay. Oh boy. Um, all right, thank you, Mona. Yes, I know, Mona. You're not supposed to call me. I have to call you. Is she not listening on the radio? All right, now this is where it gets participants. They gonna change the participants. Okay, so I've got to add. All right, here we go. And then we go, Mona. Okay, add her and add. Now she should be able to see a join thingy. And that's it. Okay. So there she is. Hey, uh -huh. here we are. All right. Well done. Feeling better, huh? Hey, well, Mona. Hi, honey. Did you have a good time? Yes, mostly, yes. I was sick for the last week, but I really enjoyed getting out of the house, um, being with in a different city even. Uh, but when the kids were home, we all had a wonderful time together. My Logan, my grandson, he's grown so much, and uh, he's matured into like a, an almost a man oh. and he's more affectionate than he's ever been before it was really nice i was i was enjoying it <laughs> i'm glad to hear it how did doc fare through the thing how did when you guys got home what did doc have to say to you oh my gosh and that went and put him in the bathroom so he could get out to the lanai and but he couldn't get in the house because they had the doggy door in the bathroom area um and she got me in the house and sit sitted and then she let doc out oh if he could have he would have crawled inside of me he just couldn't hold still he's licking me all over the face he he was <laughs> he, he missed me a lot. Even Furlock, who is very unaffectionate, was trying to get to me, but he was afraid of Doc. So Annette told me, and uh, uh, somehow I had calmed Doc down. This was after Doc had calmed down, and I went over and I, I had time with Furlock who is even glad to see me. And uh, since we got home at, what, about 4 o'clock? No, I don't remember. I laid down and took I don't remember. Uh, but it was this afternoon, and uh, 
soon as I lay down in bed, Doc jumped up and he laid. He likes to lay with his body touching mine. He'll lay on his side with his uh, legs stretched out. He likes to stretch his legs and out. So he was plastered against my side. And he'd, every once in a while he would give me kisses. <laughs> and I heard Furlock going, meow. So I says, Furlock, you have to come here if you want me. Because I was so tired then. So they both missed us pretty much. I'd ask Russell how the boys were doing. He'd say, well, they're doing fine. And then yesterday he texted, these two boys are really needing you to come home. <laughs> so it was, I was glad that we did it, but I really missed the boys. <laughs> yeah, fur babies are vital. Even feathered babies are vital sometimes, huh? Walt? Oh. You miss the goose, Walt? Huh? Do you oh. miss the goose? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, last winter, the, the one she left. She left? Yeah. Where did she go? Do you know? Did the she other fly side? North? The other side? Oh, the other side? Oh my God! She was she wasn't sick or anything. It just one uh, one night she got all like jittery, like she was having some kind of conniption, and she passed. Uh, they, they, there was prior to that there was no 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 signs like she was ill or weak or no. Oh my and God! Some people, someone said that at, uh, that it was there was the right time because she was ten years old. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I know birds are long lived. Like for example, parrots are live would live fifty years. I don't know about a wild goose. I don't know. I don't know if ten years is is normal for them. I don't. I have no idea what their life span is. I mean, you my, could Google that. You know, you could probably yeah, Google yeah. that. My reality my is disintegrating as we speak because, uh, let's see, uh, my 22-year-old card, the car, the mechanic said it was, it was more, it, it would cost more to get it to run than to keep it running, <laughs> to keep it running. So he actually paid me, what did he pay me? He, uh, 350 for it. So it just, it was junked. Uh, Gandhi Goose left. Uh, Gisha just left the other day, and Gordy and, the, and his mother left. So right now we only have three indoor car, three indoor cats left, and uh, uh, Mitch is uh, uh, as an outside cat because he's he, uh, whoever had him raised him so that every night he would be let out. But uh, the only time he stays indoor full time is uh, winter time. He will not go outside on the winter time. So that's the only time he stays. He's a full-time indoor car cat. So I don't know what's going to be left of me <laughs> next month. Because as well, we, seem, we seem to be disintegrating yeah. a little bit at a time. It seems to be out with the old and in with the new. So mm -hmm. maybe it was time for them to move on and allow you new to happen in your life. Could it be. Was, 
they were ready. Hey, there's a divine character, a guest in the chat room who has a story about the fires, too. Doesn't it, Despite, doesn't it doesn't it sound like a, a, a science fiction movie? Yes. You know? Yeah. Let me read what Divine Character says. This fire had all the earmarks of Paradise Fire. This was a do D E W operation. Cars melted and nearby vegetation untouched. People can't be found because they were disintegrated. Like everything, including concrete, as in 9-11, people were jumping into the water because they were being microwaved. One guy broke his car window and crawled out, passed out, and lived. His buddy didn't get out of the car and perished. People that jumped out on 9-11 were also similarly microwaved. Uh, motive developers very much want this land for casinos and other projects. Oh, so you know, well, I actually, don't think they, they actually they actually put a moratorium on buying uh, property in Maui. Yeah, I forget how not, long it is, but it's I don't a few think months. they were they trying, were to, get trying to get the land. They don't have they a choice if they're choice. trying to build. And all the ritchie places are still on the beach, looking all right. Twelve billion for the fires. Do you see the highway where everything was scorched? People were like running. They couldn't. Uh, but in Ukraine, they're spending one hundred and forty billion for what? So they can drive on their smooth, clean highways. This country sucks. With helping out the, I mean, that 140 billion should stay in this country, not go to Ukraine or Egypt or any of those places, Israel. No, 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 no. But that's just my opinion. Well, you're not alone in that opinion. Okay, yes, a- absolutely. The concept of it being a DEW is right on. Uh, the comparison between what happened on 9-11 was like, they said that the fires reached a certain temperature to melt metal, which is what they're saying happened there in Hawaii. Well, the fire couldn't have gotten that hot because it was gasoline from a, a jet gasoline, which, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't sit there and burn. It just kind of like evaporates, whoosh, you know, that type of thing. And in the first building to fall, which was the second one hit, most of the jet fuel just poured right out of the side of the building. When it went through, it was like you can see this huge, huge fireball come off the, the building. That was the jet fuel. So there was never anything to fuel the fire that they claimed happened. Uh, you have 296, I mean, 2,090 some people that perished in these buildings, and yet they found no bodies. They couldn't even find pieces of bodies. It all turned to dust. All the metal in the, in the buildings um, 
were were melted and twisted in ways that never could have happened. The concrete pulverized. Now all of that's a result of a DEW weapon, which is a direct energy weapon. And what was really happening is that you put a, okay, if you think of a wine glass and somebody singing and they get to the C note and the C note all of a sudden causes the glass to vibrate in a way that it just, you know, breaks. Shatters, yeah. It shatters, thank you. Um, that's exactly what happened was that the entire build, and you can see it happening if you go back and you look at the original films and stuff, you'll see that before it started falling or any of this, that on one side of the building, the build, the side that the beam was coming from, you got uh, this really weird, and, and even the fire people were talking, what is this weird thing that's happening? And it was like this smoke, but it was a dense smoke, like it was, it was the concrete all coming apart because they had set up a resonant vibration that was causing the molecules to begin to vibrate. And depending on what it was, whether it was metal or concrete or plastic or paper. Um, another, and this is, this is where it gets stupid that anybody would believe their story because what they, they didn't find any, they didn't find any, uh, any um, door handles they didn't find any desks. They didn't yeah. find any filing cabinets. Everything that was metal was just put into dust. It, 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 the vibration causes a loss of molecular cohesion, and it just goes into dust. What they did find was paper, plastic. The plastic didn't burn. The paper didn't burn. And, you know... So the weapon is based on the principle of conductivity. It has to conduct. That's what metal does. No, no, it's on the vibration. Yeah, but it's also like if you're going to dehydrate something. Some element was removed and that's why the rest of it turned into dust. It's just it's just vibration. It's vibration at the molecular level. You put up, you put out a, uh, an electromagnetic beam that matches the configuration of the. And this, they were targeting mostly the metal. The rest of it was, you know, byproducts of it. But in my opinion, it was the metal because of the structure of the building. Um, so you get the metal, the the at the molecular level, the molecules start getting agitated. Right until they're at such a point of agitation that they actually begin to break down into atoms. And mm. you, can see, you can see the facade, the metal uh, lines that they had on the, you know, like a fencing, but a big fencing around the, the, the bottom of the, the towers. You can see pieces of that <clears throat> actually falling away from the building and just simply disappearing. There's the there's a great ant picture of the uh what was it it was uh there was a water a t water t table in front of it it was some kind of an antenna piece of metal it might have been from the facade but it starts bending away from it and it's up I mean it's up quite a ways in the building maybe halfway up and 
all of a sudden the thing just went into dust and blew away. So I, I, <clears throat> as soon as I started seeing the pictures and hearing what was happening, I, I did. I, I figured it was a DEW. Why? Well, I would go with the concept of, you know, burn it, burn it, burn You're leaving now. Could the, DE, could the DEW also have uh, re remnant radiation left behind? I'm asking because of all the people that were got seriously sick and died just from taking care of the emergency. I mean, uh, uh, firefighters and other rescue operators, people that came in to help others uh, just from being uh, there. They, they they came down with the worst tumors and all kinds of illnesses and I'm oh, thinking okay that, all right all right yes there was a lot of asbestos there was a lot of toxic material in the dust mm -hmm. that's true but what happened was that when they okay you got oh what is it uh 108 floors and you you you, you got them crashing into one another it, the, the, there were seven stories underneath that they had actually built on. The foundation of the, of the uh, buildings themselves, they had seven stories underneath what you see at ground level. All right. So when you see this pile of rubble from the, these, you know, these huge, I mean, tallest buildings in New York, and they're they're just above ground level, you went from, you know, 108 to seven stories of debris. Well, what happened was that when they're digging through this debris, and you can see the pictures, you can see pictures of the debris field smoking for weeks later. When they got, as they were going down, they were finding metal that was still molten. And they did, they did believe that there, and I think, I, I do believe it too, that there was a, a small tactical nuclear device that was set off initially that actually broke the um, the pillars that were holding up the buildings in the in the uh, underground area. I think that's very plausible because they did get radiation readings. Mm. However, the other thing that ha that you know from everything that I've learned, especially from Dr. Judy Wood, um, the the concept of the metal. Okay, so so you've got remember the metal is is in a vibratory state and you know that once you got something vibrating in a certain way it can go on for a very long time you know depending on what it is well when you get this vibration at the lower level you know in the molecular field something happens that nobody anticipated and the reason that we know it was that in when the buildings came down, they were surrounded with buildings that were um, damaged. And it's a lot of reasons why they were damaged. But one of the buildings was the Deutsche Bank building. And it was kind of across the the facility. The, the, I can't remember the, how much uh, land is there. But they were across. They were fairly away from the buildings. So the buildings falling down and everything else didn't make any damn sense that these things were getting, you know, they, they were getting potholes in them. I mean, like all this, there's perfect circles in some of these buildings. And that's because 
the wave that the DW wave they were using was bouncing off of stuff and hitting other buildings and causing damage. Well, the Deutsches Bank apparent building apparently got hit with quite a bit of it. And what happened was that even though it was damaged, they fixed the damage. But the even in the even in the new metal that they put into the building, it was rusting out. It rusted out in a couple of years. They had to basically take the whole thing apart. And the other thing was is that so once the, once the, the process started happening, they couldn't stop it. It just kept more and more metal just kept disintegrating around them. It's and, like a continuing infection. Yeah. And the other, mm. the, the other thing, the other thing, battery burns, pardon me, but it'll start burning like that just with oxygen. It'll keep on burning. Keep it, go ahead. Well, this isn't feeding it oxygen. This is at the molecular level causing heat that's causing rusting. They, they had um, a parking lot there where the, where the cars were like burnt in weird ways, like you see with the DEW, where the rubber is melted. The, uh, uh, the, I mean, the rubber's there, but the metal is gone. You got cars where all of the handles on the door, which are metal, you know, whereas the door's got plastic in it, they're gone. You see engine blocks gone, and yet the passenger compartment is not scratched or burnt or anything. But the other thing that happened within a very short period of time, I'm talking like not even a couple of months, all of these cars started rusting. And you'll see pictures of all these rusting cars. And you think, well, this, how did this, you know, it, and, you know, so, but the other thing that was a telltale sign that nobody commented on, it took, you know, researchers after the fact to go, wait a minute, what's this about? They were taking dump trucks, okay? <laughs> And going in there and not just taking the rubble out, but taking the dirt out. Whoa. The dirt was, was uh, there's a term for it. Uh, I can't think of it, what, but it kept, it kept cooking, you know, it kept cooking, perking. And uh, so and it was in the dirt. They had to, before they could even rebuild that's why it took 10 years because before they could even rebuild they had to get all that contaminated uh stuff out of there so everything everything that touched the material left by the towers would in itself it would contaminate the material right but like i say there there's so many so much damage done to buildings that shouldn't have been anywhere I mean, the falling buildings wouldn't have put these potholes in them, and they were circles. I'm talking about, a, you know, a building that's sitting there, no damage, except it's got circles, like, through the windows in one side of the building, almost uniform. All the same basic size, and like, boom, 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 like, boom, something hit it, and, and you know, and so... And also a mile away on, um, it was an underpass for some kind of traffic thing, the highway thing. And it was uh, the FDR Boulevard, I think it was. And what happened was that the cars that were parked on the street really were weird in that they were a mile away from what was happening. 
and yet they had the same damage of the same you know cars sitting right beside it so the the DEW was you know jumping all around and causing a lot of problems that this is this is a typical of uh, a DEW type of weaponry is you can, the real problem with it is that they keep trying to fine tune it you know now they I think they can shoot a tree and have that tree blow up in the middle of a forest but at that time it was like they didn't have they couldn't target it one of the reasons they don't use it for crowd control is that they can't target it correctly um, you'll have part of the beam will cause people to get actually burns on their skin Whereas the rest of it is doing nothing except maybe making the people a little warm. The fact that they jumped out of their cars and into the ocean, uh, you got to wonder about what was happening there. Because I saw this picture of the cars on the right on the coast. You could see the ocean, okay? And you could see some of the vegetation around these cars. But again, it's like Walt pointed out. It wasn't much vegetation, but one of the reasons that they believe that so many people jumped from the towers was that just like the things around them, their bodies were vibrating and overheating, actually just cooking. And it was to, to you know, it was it was better to jump off the building than to go through that kind of awfulness. So you're being cooked alive. Yeah. Microwaved, it seems like. Yep. It's very similar to microwave. Yeah. So uh, that was a lovely conversation. <laughs> All for a uh, gold heist. The gold heist, you mean for in 9-11? Yeah. Oh, don't forget all the souls that were given to Moloch or, you know, those are offerings. Those are very valuable, extremely valuable. Well, and it was um, global, so it wasn't just 9-11. It was, you know, not just Americans. You mean the death? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, what she's referencing is that in the underneath the towers in the seven stories that I was talking about that went, I mean, it was many, many, many uh, streets wide, underground type of thing. there was a vault and that vault had a tremendous amount of supposedly gold and silver and gold and silver and um it was a federal reserve as a matter of fact one of those diehard movies <laughs> you yeah. know kind yeah. of showed the truth of that one right mm-hmm. and um what happened was is that there was reports from firemen who were underneath the building um because you know, some of well, some of that was still standing. Got underneath the building, but they saw a lorry truck down there. A lorry truck being a flatbed kind of truck that um, was sitting like be, right outside the the bank. Let's put it that way. And uh, supposedly this money all disappeared, and it was foreign people owned it, and you know it was a big to do about it. It's never been resolved, as far as I know. Um, what happened to it but you know that was only one the 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 real the real you know follow the money type of thing is the uh, stock market and I'll make it real brief this people were buying 
stocks in like American Airlines, United Airlines, targeted airlines, in um, certain companies that were in the Twin Towers that, you know, got decimated. So what they did was in the days leading up to the 9-11 event, and this is this is like a lot of money exchanged, okay, big time money. And they would buy up this, these stocks, and then they would put, they call it a put buy. They would say, okay, I'm going to um, say that on this particular date, I want to sell these. And I want you to agree to this much money, even if the stocks don't aren't related to it. It's a complicated thing, to be honest. I don't completely understand it, but it's called a put option. So they bet that in the future, those stocks are going to be worthless. And they made a killing. So the uh, security exchange group were part of the buildings that came down. All of the, you know, the people that are supposed to watch the stock market, they were uh, in Building 7. And Building 7 also came down way hours later, and it looked like a DEW strike. Um, so you, you've got this, this, this activity on the stock market, and the SEC and some other people began to ask questions about what is this all about. And that, that was one of the first times I saw the government step in and say, stop this. And they went to a foreign, other foreign governments were responding to the request for the information. And uh, the U.S. government stepped in and said, no, you're not going to do that, and stopped it. And the people that were trying to investigate it just didn't have the, the you know, the power behind them to push it. So... Okay. I have a I couple have more things to say. say. Go ahead. Um, um, while we, while were, there, we were there and driving, driving around, around uh, uh, by Disney because Sherry and Shannon live like two miles away from Disney, uh, we saw the Buses, the Disney buses, they have have like two buses together connected by an accordion. <laughs> I had never seen that before. So when the bus turns a corner, the front bus goes and then the back bus follows it because of the accordion connection. I had never seen a bus like that before. And when Annette and I were home at Sherry and Shannon's watching Leo, I had bought a special dressing, a balsamic white. Uh, it was a special dressing for salad because there was a little lettuce left in the refrigerator. Well, I got up one day and I was going to eat that went in the refrigerator and there was the dressing already opened and it was like uh, oh, maybe 
a quarter of it had been used, dumped out. There was only three quarters of it left in the bottle. I didn't do it. And I looked for the lettuce. There was no lettuce left. I didn't do it. Annette didn't do it. And Leo can't do it with his paws. <laughs> so somebody was there with us at Annette's, at, at Sherry's house. and But they wouldn't answer me when I asked, who's here? And then later I happened to see like somebody was I saw like a black shadow kind of thing so Sherry has somebody living with her she doesn't know about who actually can eat the food uh, I haven't encountered a, a spirit who can eat the food before yeah it's never crossed my path yeah maybe it's I, an alien <laughs> that, yeah, Mona, seeing as they live so close to Disney, I I can see that happening. <laughs> did you ask did you ask Dave if he could do that? No, I didn't. <laughs> All right, we're he at the top. Oh go, go ahead. Is he saying something? He says he, he can't. Says he can't. Oh, bummer. We're at the top of the hour, so we're gonna play this somewhere over the rainbow. And um I'm going to post, actually, I have just posted a picture that was taken of Dolly while she was at Disney Disney Springs. Is that what it is? Yes, uh, yes. Okay, we'll be right back. An aura geode, a black moonstone, citrine cosmic silver nugget, bracelets, shungite bowls, and much more at the Mystical Wares live auction. Have fun bidding for special items at your price. Mysticalwares.com slash live dash auctions. Let's take a moment to thank the people who make intergalactic distribution of this show possible. Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington. Yes, folks, Mystical Wares is where the Jedi Knights shop when they have their annual field trip to planet Earth. After annihilating battalions of stormtroopers and blowing up the Death Star, they deserve an all-out shopping spree, and their supplier of choice is Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington, an oasis of light in an otherwise dark universe. I spoke to Master Yoda the other day and asked him where he buys his shungite. He replied, Tell you I will, and not belabor. Mystical Wares. I also pick up spare parts for my lightsaber. So there you have it, folks. If it's good enough for Master Yoda and the Jedi Elite, it's certainly good enough for the rest of us. Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. I am Ani, mad as the day is long, Avidician. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, my darlings, get involved in local politics, learn to identify the dirty tricks within the matrix, and above all, let the spirit inhabit the human. Scalar energy is demonstrating how good health depends upon balanced and stable human and animal energy fields. 
Test it out for yourself with a free weekly 12-hour remote session at mysticalwares.com slash scalar-healing. This is an ongoing program allowing you to pick and choose the scalar energy treatment you want. Thus, you must register weekly for the session presented every Friday. Experience the future of medicine now for the free sessions or sign up for one designed specifically for you. Go to mysticalwares.com slash scalar-healing. And remember, you must sign up weekly and receive the confirmation email or text confirming the session. Experience the future of medicine now. And welcome back to Cosmic Reality Radio, August 15th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva, Dolly Howard, and Mona Radler. And um, you guys are back, I'm assuming. Yes, hello, hello. Yes. I have a story with that hat. Okay, go. We bought it. We were at Disney Springs, and we stopped in that hat store. And the kids were using me. To try on all these hats, they kept putting on a different hat on my head. <laughs> and there was a man. Uh, when I put that that one of the, in the picture on, everybody liked that one. I didn't buy it. I just tried them on. There was a man. I looked up, standing outside the store, looking in the window. and And he was just standing there, smiling away. And it dawned on me, that's an angel. There was an angel watching us have a good time together, all of us, because all the kids uh, were putting the hats on me. And, and I felt such a warm feeling inside. It almost brought tears to my eyes. So I wanted to share that especially because, like I keep saying, you never know when you're entertaining angels. It just warmed my heart, and I wanted to share that with you. So when I look at that picture, I think of how much fun it was and how I was. we were entertaining angels and angel. And that's the story with the hat. Okay, then. The angel. Angels are all over the place. Are you sure the angel was not with another angel friend taking bets to see which head made you look funnier? (laughs) Could have been. I only saw, and that angel was in the form of an older man. So, you know, you know when it's not a real human, it's an angel. You just, because your hair stand up and you get the fuzzy feelings. You just know. (laughs) I was blessed. Have you seen angels, Rona? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Many. Many, many, many. Can you give us any stories? We like angel stories. I'm going down this one-way road, and at one end, the light would turn green, and they would seem to progressively all turn green. So you could go straight through like 10 blocks without having to stop. 
Now this is in Florida and you know roads go north, south, east, and west, right? There is no other way but squares on the roads. But this road had a four lane highway on it. Well, I just got done packing up my Saturday market and had the kid, the iguana, my pickup truck with all my wares and tears and ceramics and herbs and cut flowers and everything that I used to sell. So I'm driving home and I know this road and at one time it was completely empty. Seconds later when that light turned green I knew they were all coming, right? So I got in this lane and I'm driving and I'm trying to stay out of all their way. You know, better, better cautious than not, right? So all of a sudden at this one intersection, the light's green, this car is stopped at this section and I can't go in my, in any other lane. So I had a five speed, I had to gear down. And so the next thing I know, because I thought this guy would have moved. Lights, green guy, come on, come on, can't you see all the cars passing you? Well, he didn't. And I'm trying to slow down, and I, I did my best. But I had this wooden box, and two angels were pushing on it, and two angels were pulling on it. So I didn't rear-end this guy who couldn't get out of the lane, couldn't move. He wasn't driving in a green light. So I'm like, oh gosh. So yeah, just to even envision the angels giving thanks. I mean, there was four of them working for us at once. Yeah, the iguana got pushed a little bit. And my merchandise all jumped. So gosh, I mean, what I, uh, what I lost that day. But when I hit the guy in the rear end, it was just like a little chalk mark. I barely him. I walked out, got up to his window, knocking on the window. Do you know what just happened to you? He's, this is like the third green light he's been sitting through, right? Because of all this other commotion and everything that was going on. Didn't even notice what was going on around him. He said, oh, no. And his wife didn't either. Come to find out he was some kind of reverend, and all I could do is just shake my head and go, okay. Thank you, Lord, for the angels. Because it could have gotten real wrong, more wrong. But it didn't turn out so devastatingly bad that it was that bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you would have made his day really bad. <laughs> you know, the reverend. Did you tell him the story? Well, you know, some angels just saved your life. I didn't tell him the story because you don't always think like that. I had to check on my son. I had to check on the iguana. I had to check on the merchandise and try to figure out how to get out of there peacefully so they don't get caught up in another kind of situation. I so mean, do iguanas make good pets? Yeah, actually. Mm -hmm. Yep, Lizzie. Yep, Lizzie. <laughs> so um dolly did you have any other thoughts about what you wanted to pass on are you muted the hat definitely suited there. the shirt it went together well the what the, her what? hat 
oh, hat on with the picture went real well with her shirt. I thought so too. I thought it was a set at first. Oh, <laughs> I see. I didn't even think about that. And that, uh, well, either Annette or Sherry said, Mom, tip your head sideways. Look sideways and tip your head. And that's, that's the best picture I've had in a while with my toothless mouth. Been there, done that, honey. I know those days. And I thought of Walt when they showed me the picture. I thought of Walt. I thought, oh, look, looks like a sheriff's hat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh That's right. That's right. We ought to get you a badge to put on it. Oh, you didn't buy it. (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, that's funny. I mean, where else? Where else? Yeah, where else would you wear it? You don't go to church anymore. Right, right. And it was, and it was at Disney, at Disney Springs, Springs, where that's a lot of money. Oh right. yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So, has anybody got a topic they want to bring up? Yes, I do. Let me get my my list here that's the maui man but this is oh i ran across something purely by accident did you know that the daily caller was uh it was founded by tucker host and political pundit neil patel in 2010 and then in uh, June 10, 2020, Tucker says he's leaving the Daily Caller to concentrate on his Fox News program. <laughs> Oops, that went away. But I had no idea that Tucker uh, had helped to found the Daily Caller. I wonder if he wishes he would have stayed, but I'm sure he's very busy with other things now. Did you guys know that? It wasn't on my radar. No. um, But, you know, he's... Okay, he's still doing shows. Well, I heard him being interviewed, and he said that he was really enjoying this retirement thing. You know, he just is very happy doing it here. Hold a second. I bet he is. is. I had this tickle in my throat. Talking about all that dust. Um, So anyway, but he's doing these episodes on uh, Twitter, which is now X. And he did one. Wait, what did you say? Twitter, Twitter is now X? Correct. The bird is dead. Gone away. <laughs> they killed really? The yeah, must kill the bird. So, <laughs> and, and it's funny, you'll hear people say, Twitter, X, Xing. You know, nobody knows what to call it now. So, and, and if you go to it, instead of the bird being there, it's just this big X. <laughs> I, yes, I did notice that. 
but I didn't know what it was for. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, that's what it's about. Um, so he's done a number. I think he's. Well, let me see. What did I say? I probably did on this thing. I think it's like. I'm not sure. It's 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 like he's he's done at least eight of these shows, on uh, the X, and the last one that he did was with the former Capitol Police chief uh, Sond. His name is I forget what his first name is, and that particular he's the guy. He was the guy in charge of the what you know the Capitol when. They had the January 6th situation occur. And this particular man had already been interviewed by Tucker when he worked for Fox. And when I saw that, I, I, something tweaked me to it a little bit ago, but then when I saw it, I went, oh boy, I bet you this is the reason that he was fired. Because the entire episode is over an hour. But the information that he presents, I'm going to play right now, which is only a minute. It's a, it's a cut, clips of what he says in this hour show, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about what he said. And just so you get a feeling for the effectiveness of this particular platform, when I checked it, well, it was before Saturday, so it was probably Thursday. There was almost uh, 10 million views on it and it had only been up for about 48 hours so i'm going to play this one one minute here you've described this as an intelligence failure but a failure is something that happens accidentally none of the intelligence that was coming up talking about the storming of the capitol killing members of congress or killing my police officers was ever discussed at the conference calls that I was on at least. That doesn't seem to make sense at all. It doesn't make sense. I'm looking at my men and women having their asses handed to them. And, and my first thought was, fuck it, I will take whatever yep. discipline there is. Once things got out of control, for 71 minutes, Pelosi refused to allow you to bring in the National Guard. Why don't we have answers? It, it doesn't seem like people really want to get to the bottom of it. And it gets worse from there. I had a conference call with the leaders of all the law enforcement. It was a call I coordinated. Not one person on that call talked about any concerns for the, the intelligence, the attack on the Capitol, that we were seeing that was out there. That's what's, that's what's scary. This sounds like a setup to me. I'm sorry, it does. New Jersey State Police beat D.C. National Guard to the Capitol. Wait, cops drove from New Jersey before the National Guard could get from the armory on Capitol Hill to the Capitol? Why isn't this story everywhere? I have no idea. So interesting, huh? And it really is worth listening to. You just go to uh, X and Tucker Carlson, and it's it's the last one he did, as far as I know. But uh, that police officer, I think that's why he was fired. They didn't want that airing. It never aired. They didn't want that information out there. And he goes on and he explains, okay, the 71 minutes. So he, he first off says that there's no intelligence. They didn't. They didn't give me any intelligence on there going to be any kind of a problem. He was relying on this woman who was the head of the Capitol Police intelligence section. And she might have gotten the information from the CIA, the FBI, DOD, 
but she never related to him. He doesn't know one way or the other if she knew one way or the other. But as soon as this was <clears throat> all over with, she went to a position in Pelo right next to Pelosi's district in California to be some big, pay large paying person on some university. I don't remember what. So she's suspicious. But not only did he not have the intelligence, but when it all started erupting around him and he realized he was in deep trouble, he had to go to the uh, sergeant of arms who would then give him permission to initiate coordination with the uh, National Guard and other police forces. But the National Guard was the one he absolutely had to have permission to to get in there because it was a federal resource. So he, he calls this guy, says, I need th this permission right away. And the guy said to him, well, I'll, I'll go up the chain. Well, the up the chain is that you talk to Pelosi, who's the head of the Congress, the House of Commons, or House of Commons, House, and then the Senate, McConnell. And so those two people were the ones that had to give permission for him to get the National Guard involved. And 71 minutes goes by, and he's not getting any kind of a response. He's asking, they're not, uh, it's up there, I, I need permission. I, you know, this type of thing where he was so desperate because <clears throat> things inside the Capitol had gotten pretty hairy. He made a phone call to the head of the National Guard there in DC. Now. On the other side of the city is the National Guard, the Army National Guard. And he, he, so he, he's talking to, to those people, the ones that are in charge of this unit of National Guard. And those National Guards, some of them had already been put out in the streets of Washington for traffic control and crowd control because there was supposed to be, you know, a lot of people there. So they were already scattered through the city. So he goes to the commander of who's going to make the ultimate decision, and he says to him, I'm going to get permission in, in, in a couple of minutes. It's going to come in, but can you just get him going, get him coming towards us? And the man that's the head of the National Guard says to him, we've decided we don't like the optics. We don't like the optics. What does that mean? That means that they didn't want to be seen policing the Capitol, I guess. Oh, for goodness sake. I mean, the two people talking about this, the, the you know, the, the police officer and Tucker, they were like, what, what, what? I mean, they didn't know, you know. Oh, but then it goes know. on and he finds out that those National Guard people that were in the streets already were told to return to the station. Okay, so every time he would open his mouth up, he was giving another example of coordinated refusal to stop what was happening. And he, he also said that he's never really been interrogated at all. Nobody's asked him what he thinks. Um, the, when, when they had the... Um, Tucker was asking him about, and Tucker was very, you know, right out there. He said, look, there's there's a lot of reports that there was 
FBI agents and other agents maybe in the crowd that were really causing the problem. And uh, <clears throat> the chief there, he said, well, it, in any kind of an operation like this, those agencies would have their people on the ground just because it's, it's just standard operating procedure. You know, go into the crowd, walk around like you're part of the crowd to see if there's going to be anything that happens. It's just good policing. So he didn't want to, you know, in any way compromise that particular fact that there could have been agents there. But th that's good policing, he said. And every time you ask it, any of the others about this, oh, no, there was nobody there. You know, so they're hiding something. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. but anyway, um, I do think that this was probably why Tucker was fired, so that that would never be heard. And uh, now it's being heard. We have. Uh, <laughs> Backfired we have, on him, didn't, him, didn't, him, didn't it? Yeah. I'm going to play another 10 minute clip here because this is. I watch, as everybody knows, a lot of. A lot of news stuff. And this is kind of like the, oh, wow, this is, you know, like the best example of what's really happening. <clears throat> this is a lady who's talking to, uh, I believe it's a, I think it's a British thing. I It's been a, while, a couple, few days since I heard it. But um, it's a television show. It's a known television show. It's like being on CBS, ABC, NBC. And the reason that I got on to this lady, her name is Jan Halper Hayes, is because Janine pulled some cards uh, concerning her. Because all of a sudden she seems to be trending. She's showing up on these mainstream media shows. And I'm not going to bother playing Janine uh, pulling the cards, but Janine basically asked the cards, is this woman for real? And yes, she is. And, oh, okay, and um, she's working for the White Hats. Yes, she is. And so it's part of the disclosure that I'm seeing happen in the stuff that I'm watching. There's more and more willingness to tell it like it is. And the fact that, and Janine also got off the cards, that she felt, she had been feeling, I'd heard her before, but the cards were telling her that a lot of the mainstream media is actually got white operatives in there. Uh, she says that, that they've been taken over by the white side and a lot of people still working there don't even know it. Uh, whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. But certainly listening to this woman. Now remember, somebody going on ABC, CBS, NBC, you know, the rest of them and saying this out loud. You know, so here it is, 10 minutes. It's just a, this is what's happening in the background. Because Donald Trump has hit back at prosecutors just hours before his court appearance on charges of trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Yes, the former president said the indictment was unprecedented and showed the corruption of the Biden presidency. Well, it's the third time in four months he's been charged, and as we understand it, probably not the last, as he campaigns to regain the presidency. Meanwhile, his son, his eldest, Donald Jr., spoke to Nigel Farage last night, and he questions the timing of the indictment. You know, I, I don't believe any of this has anything to do with January 6th. If it did, 
And if January 6th was everything that they said, why, why, Nigel, did they wait two and a half years to charge him? I mean, the people that were there that did those, they were charged that day. Well, let's talk to Jan Halper-Hayes, who's a U.S. political analyst. And he's here in the studio. Good to see you, as always. Good to see you. Um, there's so many people putting this down as a political conspiracy theory. But actually, there are real questions to be answered here. There are? Yeah, of course there are. Of course there are. What he's being accused of, but what part do you think is to answer that the 2020 election is going to be re-litigated? Because of this, they've made a huge, huge mistake with this one, because even though we thought what was going to happen was they were going to go after him for treason or sedition, but they did criminally charge him, but they didn't go to that extreme. As a result, he has due process so he can subpoena people and bring things in. Now, let me say something about this 2020 election is that. Biden is the legitimate president, but he's the legitimate president of what is now the bankrupt U.S. corporation. And that was a treaty in 1871. Well, on September 12th, 2018, Trump created an executive order. Within that, he outlined in future elections any kind of foreign or domestic interference, specifically for the 2020 election. So we say, how did he know some of these things were going to happen? Election integrity on both sides of the aisle is tough. It's really tough. But what this has done is it's opened the door for Trump to present his case. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, because the, I mean, what we see on this side of the pond is a very difficult situation where the legal system is politicized in the United States, which is abhorrent to us over right. here. So the fact that Trump can subpoena, some people saying it's a mistake by Jack Smith, but actually he can subpoena, we, you know, people can actually see evidence from both right. sides. That's a sensible yes, move. Exactly. And, and it's a great mistake by Jack Smith that he's done that. Absolutely great. See, the thing is, think about um, uh, Edward Snowden and all the information he had. Think about the fact that our military, our Department of Defense Space Force, <clears throat> if you think that they don't have the actual real results from the election, then you're fooling yourself. Yeah, but what we what we do know with this is there are we're told <clears throat> uh, uh, that there are plenty of notes from people, including Vice President um, Pence, that there are some recordings of, of Donald Trump acknowledging that actually what he said in public was nonsense. That some of these states, whether he claimed he was in, out saying it's, I mean, look, Detroit, it's corrupt, it's all corrupt, the results are corrupt. And that when in reality, he knew it wasn't. That's illegal. But you know what? That's what someone's claiming. But that's not the fact. And that's not what Donald Trump really has ever said. He's been very, very clear. I mean, the issues were, for example, in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court of the state of Pennsylvania stepped in and changed some of the election laws. Under our Constitution, it's only the state legislators that can do that. 2,000 Mules, the film that came out, what they did, they spent over $4 million tracking the phones. And the reason it's only 2,000 Mules is that based on the visits to the drop boxes in Georgia, they had to have gone 
over 10 times. And they've got all the film for that. So the thing is that um, the election integrity is so different and so problematic in every single state, every single state. But that doesn't mean that the machines didn't do something, that there were some other kind of finagling. But the long and short, go ahead. Well, it, it doesn't. But that's that's where conspiracy comes in. Is it to say, well, it doesn't mean that something didn't happen. Well, there's no evidence that it happened. I mean, well, there's how many how many court cases did the Trump campaign try to bring? There's nothing's gone in his favour. Okay, wait a minute. Everyone, the media goes, oh, there were 60, 60 court cases that were rejected. No, there were three. He won two. He lost one. 57 were never heard because they had no standing. And standing means that the person bringing the case has to claim some kind of impact or injury. So it's really, you know, the media did that and they're great at doing that, but it, it was a fallacy in there. And the thing is that, um, you know, you know, I sit on a task force at the Department of Defense. And the thing is, they've got the goods. They've got the goods. And Trump knew that if he presented any of the goods early on, we'd have a civil war, that he really felt that the people needed to see how bad it could get. And that's the sense that we're getting from Trump's lawyer about what his defense is going to be. So he this is all going to be based on free speech, the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution, that he had a right to say what he believed. And mm -hmm. he believed uh, that the election results were not uh, as was put out. But the point is, if you live in a democracy and you believe in a democracy, then that means that even if you don't like the outcome of an election, you respect that because it's a democratic vote. Well, a, a democratic vote. And so therefore, he should be silent about it. No, he, has a, he has a right to speak. But the issue, of course, is if he then acts to subvert that election. Result. Oh, so that because you think he's being criticized because in Georgia, he said, can you find me 12,000 votes? Or, um, you know, the thing is, he didn't try to subvert anything. What he's really done is he set up the deep state to come out. And that's why we're seeing all these things. I mean, it just it was revealed with whistleblowers and um, Hunter Biden's ex-best friend that in 2015, um, the head of Burisma gave Joe and Hunter Biden 10 million bribe. In 2018, Hunter is, I mean, uh, Joe is on TV publicly saying that he threatened that unless they got the prosecutor fired, that um, he wasn't going to let them have their one billion in support. In 2019, Trump calls Zelensky to find out about what went on to get the prosecutor fired and he gets impeached. Mm. I mean, that's. Can't go? Stuck poop makes thin women look fat. Do this to clear out stuck poop fast. We've lived with it for a long time. I probably, I probably, that's, that's, we're almost at a time. I, just oh. want, I just want to pick you up on one thing. You said earlier on, you know, um, Donald Trump has been very clear on this. Is he a man that you believe? I mean, look, he's about a believable as a chocolate teapot, isn't he? Look, I know that. Oh, thank God you 
got the negativity in at the end and not the beginning. I can always count on you for that. Always. Um, but it's a legitimate point to say that Donald Trump is a man who always speaks the truth. That can't be the case. I mean, it's hardly the case of any leader, to be fair, but I mean, definitely not Donald Trump. Well, I don't know if I said everything or always, because I do call him the embellisher in chief because he's mm. a marketer. Um, but in terms of telling us things, optics, you better believe that he's very much a straight shooter in terms of actions that he's going to take or what he thinks needs to be done. You know, they made fun of him because they assumed he broke protocol and walked in front of the queen. No, if you go back and look at it, you will see he looked at her. She gave a wave with her hand. He proceeded. She took a couple of steps. He stopped and he waited for her to join. That was an optic to tell us that he then was going to bankrupt the U.S. corporation because it was the Vatican, the crown and the U.S. that was part since 1871. And we were giving you our tax dollars. We were paying back. You know, we, forget this Tea Party and without taxation, without representation. We owed you a lot of money because you helped us in the Civil War. And so that is what Trump has now, he told the queen, I'm ending this. We're dissolving this corporation. We're going to go back to being a republic and we'll all be separate. The Pope wasn't happy. You should find the picture of him visiting the Pope. It took 650 planes to remove our gold from the Vatican Bank. I'm not very happy about it, Jan, to be perfectly honest. We could do with your money at the minute. <laughs> Keep it flowing, I say. Um, Jan Halberhage, really good to see you. you Thank too. you very much. Yeah, so my first... Wow, I don't know how that ad and pooping got in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tickled, it was a technical maneuver. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> yes. Did she say 650 planes? How many days did it take to transfer that much gold? A lot. <laughs> wow. They spent an entire what an entire year just flying these these planes because I don't know. That that takes time. My goodness. But, you know, you got to, I mean, the things that she brought up on that show and that was like CBS, ABC, it, it, it was astounding. Can you imagine that show going over one of our stations? You know, and so they would have thought, this is a crockpot. But she seems to be getting traction. She's been on other shows. So it's interesting that there's somebody out there, and she does have credentials. I looked her up. Um, whether or not, I, I don't remember if Janine, I think she asked, but I don't remember what she said about, is she uh, the real person or somebody pretending to be that person? But like she's with the Defense Department and stuff. So things are unraveling rather quickly. And um, all I can say is that... Well, the, one of the things that this goes to show uh, is that Without re resorting to uh, criminal activity, there's no way that Trump well, and the people left behind him can take the, this, this deep state uh, straight on. Because the, the, state, the, the deep state doesn't function that way. They function with uh, criminal activity. Everything is corruption. So there, you can't go, you can't 
think that you're playing an honest game. You, if, when you're playing any any kind of sport, you take it for granted. Okay, we're honestly playing this, but how can you do that when you know that the opponent is going to try every trick in the book? So, without relying on outright criminal activity, you can't do that. You can't go face to face because the the, the your opponent will never be straight, will never be honest, will never be honorable in direct in their tactics. They're going to try every dirty book that's in the in the book, every dirty trick in the book. So you got to beat them at their own game. It's the only way you're going to make any traction. And that's what he's done every that's why a lot of people have heard it comment how he's like t 10 stops ahead. He has to because he has, he has to be ahead of every trick they're going to try because they're never going to be honest about anything. So, you know, beat them at their own dishonesty. <laughs> You got to beat them at their own game because otherwise you're not going to you're not going to win. Well, you know they I, can't they can't seem to fluster him. <clears throat> Go ahead, Dolly. I'll, I'll remember. I, what I'm I think about. that Trump Trump uh, is a time uh, traveler. traveler. That's how he knows so much ahead of them. You know that's interesting because today I I saw Michael Sala. Um, a conversation that he had with Elena Danan, where she's uh, she's the one she's it's her voice speaking, but it's not her information. She communicates telepathically with this character Thorhan Heredian, and Michael Sala asked him several questions uh, throughout the the the, the, seg the segment, and one of the questions that he had was that JP. The contact that he has in the army, in the army, he went to a place where they saw uh, four time devices. One was uh, set. One was set for the 20, for the year 2019. Another one was set for, was set for the year 2050. Another one set for 1945, and another one is set for the year 1550. So. He's asking, uh, Hort, uh, you know, uh, Thorhan, what is the, why are they, why are these devices set for these particular dates? And the answer that came across was that the the reason the machines are set for those specific dates because those specific dates are meant to lock in the timeline, the positive timeline. He said she. Uh, explain that the timeline actually it's not a single line it's actually more like a web like a spider web less like a it's like a webbing and every time you have a point of, of bifurcation is where things can change so there are key points in uh, uh temporarily speaking there are points that are critical that if you don't lock that point there's a chance that it will shift so those four dates are important to maintaining the stability of the timeline. So, and give us those dates again. What are the dates? It, it was 2019, uh, 2050, uh, 1945, and 1550. What are what do your what are your your guides saying? Because I know that you have guides like just like Dolly. So 
you get feedback too. Well, the, I don't know why they would choose those particular points in time. Um, 1945 stands out because that's when the atomic bomb was released, I believe, in that year, or it was getting made in that year. 2019, well, 2019 is really the beginning of the pandemic because the actual first cases came from the Wuhan lab in uh, the fall of 2019. But you remember that you said that uh, some, that because Trump actually accelerated the release of the vaccine, they couldn't make it mandatory. So he actually, he that made a huge change on the timeline. Otherwise, there would have been far more dead than they were actually. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a serious point. Well, a lot of people got hung up on the fact that uh, Trump seemed to be pushing the vaccination. But what Walt's referencing is the fact that he pushed it and got it into the category of emergency use. It was never approved by the FDA. It was approved for emergency use. And there are statutes that say that you cannot make a an emergency and therefore uh, an experimental drug, a manda mandated drug. So they've got laws on the books that make it, you know, yeah, they could have come around to the houses and forced us to have vaccinations under gunpoint um, by the laws that are existing. And that didn't happen because he rushed it and got it into an experimental category that they couldn't make it a mandatory one. Uh, that was, you know, the thing that made me think, okay, all right, that makes sense to me, you know, that they would have done that. Um, but, uh, okay, so back to the, the time list. You said 2050? Yes, 2050. I have no idea what that is because we ain't there yet. Mm -hmm. And then you said 1550. Yes, the, that's the 16th uh, century. Well, I know that. 1550. Mm -hmm. um, so something must have happened there that uh, must have been just serious enough that it was worth, you know, locking in. Whatever whatever it was, those four dates are appear to be critical, and that's why they're focused on it. I'm checking something. Something came to my head and I wanted to make sure. Okay. All right. So, 1550. No, I thought, it, for some reason, I felt it had something to do with uh, the Templars, but not really. I mean, sort of, but I'm going to try this. 1550. Uh, all right, let's just look and see what it says about history. Well, that's all boring. Now, now the thing is that we are thinking of documented history. What if that year something serious happened? I mean, you know at the humanity level 
and it's not to this day it hasn't been documented not all of history has been documented so much history has been erased altered you know getting rid of the get got another the way so that people don't find out so we don't know is is has the something critical happened on that day that we are aware of well yeah leonardo <laughs> da vinci begins painting the mona lisa okay <laughs> and finished it three years later um it says in the 1500s the mississippian culture disappears m-i-s-s-i-s-s-i-p-p-i-a-n i don't even know who those people are so i don't know about that one i nothing's uh Oh, what well, was if it's critical enough, they wouldn't tell us. Not even the posse would tell us, <laughs> because it's, you're not supposed to know. Huh. Okay. Yeah, there's probably a lot of things we don't know about that time, but something about it. Yeah, even um, even Michael Sala, the, there, there were questions where uh, Thor would uh, decline answering that. He said, he said, it, it, this is too sensitive an, an issue, and the, the the opposition can be can't be allowed to know. You can't uh, let them know what's going on. So even so, that reminded me of Dolly. There are things that they will not answer because they are listening. They are listening. So okay, so this makes sense. Okay. I, what I put in is when was Freemason started? The origins of Freemasonry are obscure. The creation of the craft occurred over time between the first recorded gentleman joining in Edinburgh Stone Mason's Lodge in 1599 and the 1721 publication in London of the Constitution of the Freemasons. Because that makes the connection to the Templars. Mm. You remember I said I, I was getting Templar, but and then I, and then I I'm going 1500s. What? And this jumped out at me. Freemasons. I thought it would start at about that time. So, <clears throat> yeah. Who knows what that's about? So the, the, explain something to me. Are the Masons supposed to be enemies of the of the of the Templars or vice versa? What's what's the story behind there? It gets really convoluted, and who knows what real history is. Mm. But the connection is is that the Knight Templars went underground, and in order to sort of come out from the underground, they became first the Rosicrucians, <clears throat> and that didn't seem to be working, and then morphed into the Freemasons. So there's this this link to the, you know, Freemasons in the town. But the Freemasons, I wouldn't call them be, uh, benevolent by any stretch of the imagination because they're involved in, in so much crap. Yeah, but, you know, whether what they became, and they got took over, taken over. Um, in, in, in America, the well, first off, the Freemasons... The, the the original founding fathers, a good portion of them were Freemasons. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Freemasonry connection to the founding fathers. 
So at that time, the Freemasons were very, very powerful organization, and they've remained such. They are kept in, in, a, in a concept of secrecy. I've actually known friends of mine that were Masons that didn't even want to tell me they were Freemasons. And then when I would quiz them, they would, you know, admit that they didn't want to relate any of the things because they were scared. Whatever they do when they, uh, you know, anoint them into the order, <laughs> uh, it scares the crap out of them. And, I, I mean, yeah, I had this uh, one friend of mine who was, I was working with him in the concept of minerals and metaphysics, okay? So that's where I basically were, was interfacing with him. And one day he comes over here. And I had a book on Freemasonry out. And he saw this and he picks it up and he starts looking at it and he starts screaming at me, you shouldn't have this. And I went, what are you talking about? He said, where'd you get this? I said, a friend of mine who's a Freemason gave it to me. He said, no, this information is never supposed to be released. It shouldn't even be in print. <clears throat> and he got so distraught, he left the house and I never heard from him again. The guy that gave it to me he basically, I, I was trying to get, you know, what's Freemason, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so he, he says, I can't talk about any of it, but you can have that book if you want. And it was a book that he got when he went into this particular lodge that wasn't supposed to put any of this into print, but they had. Um, I, I, I mean, it's like one of the, one of the weird, weirdest Freemason stories. I was in the reserves. And I was working on uh, this connection between Freemasonry and Nazism and the Spear of Destiny and a lot of, you know, that kind of history and stuff. And I was researching it and I was writing it up in the book. Uh, and one of the people who was a major, I was at that time, I might have been a captain by then, um, but he was a major. And... He and I, you know, just hit it off. So when we go once a month to the reserve thing, when we were having lunch or just, you know, shooting the breeze, I would tell him what I was learning about Freemasonry. And this went on for a good year, maybe more. And one day he's there and he went to reach for a glass of something. And all of a sudden I focused on his ring and it was a Mason ring. I said, you're a Mason? And he said... Yeah, I thought you knew that. I said, no, you think I'd be telling you the stuff I'm telling you if I thought you were a Mason? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders, you know. And this guy was a vice president of uh, Eastern Airlines. Okay, this is who he was in his, you know, non-military role. And so I said to him, I said, all right, let me run this down to you. And I ran down my thesis that, you know, the Masons are really behind a lot of stuff. And I said, is it possible that the Freemasonry, the Freemason organization was actually infiltrated by Nazis from Nazi Germany? Because that's what my research was telling me, that, you know, 20,000 SS people disappear. Where'd they go? Well, they came to America and other places and they joined the Freemasons and used the Freemasons for their basic way of, of interacting with, you know, 
a reality as a secret group. And, you know, I, he knew, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd written about it, Cosmic Reality, the down the rabbit hole. Um, and No, actually, it's in the John Kennedy section. Um, but anyway, he, and you can get that on PDF online, just go to CosmicReality.com, go to Books and Blogs, go to the Cosmic Reality book, you can get the whole PDF free. You can also buy it on Amazon. Um, but the, the thing of it was, is that when, when I... To, said this to him. I said, you know, can you confirm what I'm thinking is true? And he didn't say anything. He just sat there for a minute. And then he looked at me and he said, yes, I think it's all true. And what I was saying basically is that uh, the Nazis are alive and well operating through the powers of Freemasonry that nowadays uh, the Freemasons that you see there are only partially used to connect with uh, business people. It's very much a, you couldn't be a businessman back when I was a kid without being a Freemason. It was all tied in with, a, you know, the co corporate concept. And but you anyway, cannot act, you cannot ask to be a Freemason. They will come to you and ask you to join them. In, in, my dad, yes. my yeah. dad was a Freemason, yeah. a and Grandpa, yeah. and Grandpa moved on to be a Knights Templar. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's an, been an interesting show. <laughs> We're down into the last three minutes, two minutes. Um, well, Dolly, I'm so glad that you were able to make the show and yes, stay with me us. Too. Me too. Your voice got stronger. Yeah, it did. I noticed that. Yeah, I'm tireder. <laughs> you sleep well tonight in your own bed. Yeah. Moment, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was I was uh, on Skype and I, I saw that you were up on. It said green for Skype with you, and I said, "Oh, I wonder if she wants to come on the show." And there you are. You came on to the show. Dolly so, did sound good after all those days of partying. I know. <laughs> she wondered why she got sick. You got yeah. sick because you were you were in, in an area that's got extreme high Wi-Fi and 5G. The symptoms that you gave were the same symptoms that Mark Joseph got when he went on a cruise over the same time frame. Same symptoms. Oh, wow. Was, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, Walt, you want to say adios? Oh, adios, everybody. Have a very good night. Take care. And I appreciate you all. Tomorrow is Radio 5G, and um, Mark is and I will be on the second hour and the first hour. It's a, an interesting discussion about technology and transhumanism, and it's with Patrick Wood, who is a really down-to-earth spiritually open human being that knows the facts and still is not freaked out by it so um everybody be safe we'll see you next time you have been listening to the cosmic reality radio show produced by cosmic reality radio Thank you for listening. Choose your heart and 